saw a cartoon this last week that gave me a giggle. It was a picture of Jesus being baptized by John in the Jordan River. Jesus is looking a little uncomfortable. He kind of has a slightly pained expression on his face as John dips him backwards. John is saying, stop complaining about the cold, Jesus. If you wanted to be sprinkled, you should have gone to John the Methodist. It is for exactly this reason that some of our biblical translators and some of us prefer to call him John the Baptizer. In our tradition, most of us were, indeed, sprinkled as infants. Those few drops of water are all we need for our adoption into God's family. And a few of you, I know, know the feeling of a full immersion baptism. Some of you came to All Saints from a different tradition, and we actually practice full immersion baptism once a year at our parish retreat at Canuga. In the early days of baptism, and still today in some other traditions, the candidate for baptism would be not dunked just once, but three times for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then held under the water long enough to induce panic to simulate drowning, to symbolize a death from the old life, and then a rebirth, gasping into the new. This is the baptism I imagine John the baptizer is practicing in the Jordan River. And it confused people. Who are you? They asked. John answers that he isn't the one that they're waiting for, but he's here to get them ready. I think that probably wasn't quite the answer they were looking for, but it was the one he gave. John wasn't the light, but he testified to the light. He arrived on the scene to get us ready for the light that was to come. Through the pages of our scripture, John is calling us to wake up, to submerge ourselves fully in the shockingly cold waters of our baptism. These are the waters by which we are buried with Christ and raised into a new life. John is calling us loudly and clearly to die to the old life and come up gasping, into a new way of being together. Our nation has had a difficult few weeks. Our news outlets have reported three major examples of tragic situations that ended in the deaths of citizens at the hands of police officers. Everyone has opinions about these things. You have yours in your head right now, I'm sure of it. You might even be angry at me for bringing these up here in this Advent sermon. I can promise you you're not alone. At least one other person in the room is angry at me too. Opinions are rampant right now. The news stories and then the social media conversations that follow are full of anger and vitriol, of unchecked judgment, of self-righteous propaganda. The sounds of our words and the winds of these stories are hateful and they're mean. 
I hear and I read these voices scrambling louder and louder to get to the top in order to be the most right. The loudest voice wins. But the truth is, we don't live in a binary world. None of these situations or any of the ones we've lived through in the last thousand years have simple, obvious answers. Our world is a complicated place because people are complicated. And as Christians in this complicated world, we are called to the in-between, in that space, that complicated space, to live and to listen, to heal and to help without judgment. And when we instead throw out our opinions like bricks through windows, connections get broken. When we shoot off our mouths like rifles, relationship gets caught in the crossfire. When we cease to care about the perspectives of our brothers and sisters listening only to our own voices, we silence their voices. We lose our ability and maybe even our rights to be citizens of the kingdom of God. And in the midst of all of this appears John. Dirty, strange, complicated himself. He has come to testify to the light. He baptizes and he testifies. He submerges people in the cold waters of the Jordan River and he points them toward what is to come. John is calling us to wake up. I have never been told in word or in action that my life doesn't matter. I have had experiences of powerlessness, but I've never been told that my life is insignificant in the world and to the people in it. But I know that every day in our nation and in our city, there are people, people I care about, people in this room who are told in word and in deed, purposefully or carelessly, by the ignorant or by the mean-spirited, that their lives are of no consequence, that their lives don't matter. And they are told this not because of the clothes that they've put on that day or because of the jobs they hold. They're told this because of the color of their skin. My friends, racism is alive and well in our country. And this is not just about Ferguson or New York. This is about Atlanta and it's about Baltimore and Seattle and rural Nebraska. This is not about the actions of police officers only. This is about bank tellers and shop clerks and postal workers and priests. This is about being killed by bullets. But it's also about black lives lost to a death of a thousand cuts to the soul. Because until every life matters, 
And until my black brothers and sisters can live in the same confidence that their lives are as valued as mine, our nation and our world will continue to limp, limp along, broken, sick with this plague. Every death that could have been prevented, every life lost in anger, or fear, or hatred, or ignorance, everyone is a loss to our world. Every life taken, or abused, or degraded is one baptismal vow not upheld. Everyone is a missed opportunity to seek justice, to love kindness, to act mercifully. And John the baptizer is calling us to wake up. This is not a binary world. It is not a black or white, rich or poor, yes or no, guilty or innocent world. John the Baptist is calling us to wake up and open our tired eyes and ears to the beautiful and painful nuances and complications of the world that is here before us, the real world, not the fictional world we would like it to be. It's time to wake up and engage this world, this complicated and pain-filled world around us, It is time to rub the sleep from our eyes and look, look at the injustice and the racism that infects our society, the deep inequality that stands in the way of our true fulfillment of our own baptismal vows. It is time to wake up, to listen to the voices that are dying, literally dying to be heard. We cannot claim to be in communion with people whose voices we cannot hear or whose faces we are unwilling to see. We have a long way to go before we can welcome in the Messiah. Our world is so fractured. Our world is so wrecked by willful ignorance and violence. We have so far to travel in order to get it to rights again. It is unlikely that we will see the full fruits of our labor in our lifetime. It is unlikely that our actions will always be understood. 20th century theologian Reinhold Niebuhr offers a recipe for where we can start our repair work. He writes, Nothing that is worth doing can be achieved in our lifetime. Therefore, we must be saved by hope. Nothing which is true or beautiful or good makes any sense in any immediate context in history. Therefore, we must be saved by faith. Nothing we do, however virtuous, can be accomplished alone. Therefore, we must be saved by love. No virtuous act is quite as virtuous from the standpoint of a friend or foe as it is from our standpoint. Therefore, we must be saved by the final form of love, which is forgiveness. Saved by hope, saved by faith, saved by love, 
forgiven, freed, clothed in these, we go out into this world that needs us so desperately. Last week, Stephanie reminded us that we are called to be John the baptizer out in the world. We are called to prepare the way of the Lord. We are called to stand waist deep in the icy waters of baptism, half in, half out, drawing people into the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are called to believe that all lives matter, that all faces should be seen, that all voices must be heard. We are called to testify to the light. And in this way, in this way alone, will we prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. Amen.